Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Hi, Hammer. Who are the Republicans running for Indiana governor? We got we got this guy Doden, Fort yes. Wayne, right? We got right. Braun, Senator Braun, uh, former Attorney General Curtis Hill, and then who am I missing? Silent Ch- oh, Suzanne. So, well, yeah, 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 silent. Um, <laughs> and and Brad Chambers, Brad Chambers, the uh, the former Secretary of Commerce. It's a full field. Oh yeah, and then the, let's not forget that there's uh, there's the Democratic there's challenger McCormick, uh, McCormick. Yeah. But it's a pretty crowded Republican field here, and you're starting to see some of the folks that have some money try to separate themselves. Mike Braun's been doing a lot of commercials. He's got a lot of money. So does Brad Chambers now. Do not sleep on the amount of money Brad Chambers has. And he just wrote this op-ed in the Indie Star. How are we feeling about it? You know what? I'm always a little leery when Republicans run to the very liberal, very failing Indie Star as the place where they want to get their message out. There's always something about that that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be honest. This radio station, I mean, you look at the reach that we have. This flamethrower of a radio station, you can hear WIBC up north, like to Lafayette, down south on a clear night. You can hear this, you know, in Ohio, parts of Kentucky. I was coming back from a bowling tournament with my son, and I was listening to WIBC as we were in Ohio, getting ready to cross over into Indiana. It's just kind of, yeah, it's funny when they go to the the left-wing outlets to get their message heard. Just like even they're doing it on a national basis uh, for uh, for the President of the United States. It's going to be Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Vivek on CNN two different times debating next year. Now, if this were the general election, a case could be made for, okay, maybe he wants another side to hear what he's all about. Right. But this is the primary for the Republicans. So it's a little fishy for me to see a Republican reaching out, writing op-eds in the Indy Star. But for what it's worth, here's a little bit of what Brad Chambers wrote. Quote, in my administration, I will expand the Crime Gun Intelligence Center statewide to track down those who use firearms in the commission of violent crime and get these criminals off of our streets. I will also invest in new technologies, such as rapid DNA, increase lab cap- cap- capabilities statewide, Increase that information that's being shared across jurisdictional lines and create a regional multidisciplinary task force to assist law enforcement as we address the fentanyl crisis. Those all sound good. Okay, that's good. More technology to get bad guys off the street. I'm good with that. Scratching my head, though, as to why those things aren't already being done. Well, there's that. (laughs) But here's the part that... Kind of makes me roll my eyes a little bit. Those who choose the path of violence must be brought to justice. But to break this cycle, we must address root causes. Oh, the good old root causes. Man, I'm not going to lie. The root causes conversation is kind of wearing me out. We know what the root causes are. 
poverty, no dad, bad house. You know, nobody there to be a disciplinarian or a male role model. That's it. We know what the root causes are. And can't you, I mean, I think you can do both things at the same time, right? I mean, I think your point is well made. I'm down with kind of trying to look into the root causes of things as long as it's not race based. Like you're automatically oppressed if you're a, a minority, you, and you'll always be that way. That's kind of what the, you know the DEI uh, stuff, the, all that kind of crap. But when we're talking about root causes, everything you just mentioned, yeah, that's that's kind of obvious. But I do think you can do both at the same time. But I don't want it to be a fifty-fifty split. I don't because I think the majority of the time sure. the money and the resources need to be chasing down horrible people, repeat violent offenders, and then using the bully pulpit of the governor's office to try to get prosecutors to actually prosecute these people. And that's a problem here in Indianapolis. So take a look at what's happening Let's say in Houston right now. Houston, oh, man. they just elected a Democrat mayor. Just like Indianapolis, Democrat leadership, right? Now, it's not that lunatic Sheila Jackson Lee. She got her doors blown off. Uh, but the mayor-elect in Houston, he came out and did interview after interview, spoke on television, and said, quote, I want criminals to know that if they're in Houston and they do a crime, we're coming after you. Violent repeat offenders, fugitives, uh, fugitives that are charged with murder or capital murder. We have to be aggressive, and we want to do that from day one. Yeah, and I think that's one of the huge reasons why he blew the doors off Jackson League. Yes. Is that mantra for his campaign. But, man, you hear that Democrat mayor in Houston say those types of things. I hope he plans to follow through with it, but hell, at least he's saying it. Joe Hogg said, when was the last time he had any sort of speech where he wanted to be tough on violent repeat offenders? Got me. Hell, if anything, him and his gruesome twosome partner, Ryan Mears, even if they don't like each other, they're attached at the hip here. They enable violent repeat offenders in this county. Other county prosecutors laugh at what's happening in Marion County. They look at Marion County as a way to not do things. Who did we have on from... Yeah, we had the guy from Johnson County. Lance Hamner. We've had him on before. (laughs) We've had Greg Garrison on before. Like, other prosecutors in other counties look at what happens in Marion County, and they just laugh. And if the argument is, well, there's so many people, you can't lock up everybody. Well, you're going to have to pick and choose. You're going to have to let maybe some folks out to get the very violent threats to society locked up again. And I'm hoping that this mayor in Houston kind of sets the trend for that. You can be a Democrat. Because let's be honest, Indianapolis elections are going to go blue. Unless something changes dramatically over the next couple of years, Indianapolis is going to be blue. But hopefully Houston can lay the groundwork that says you can be a Democrat and you can lock up the guy that's got a rap sheet longer than a CVS receipt. You can put him behind bars and it's going to be okay. You're not going to offend people. I just thought that was refreshing. And the other part of the interview that the uh, newly elected mayor of Houston had to say, uh, John Whitmire is his name. He said that others in City Hall need to recognize there is a public safety problem. 
That's huge to me because if you asked Vop Osley, he's the head of the Indy City County Council, who's really nothing but just a huge butt sniffer to Joe Hogsett. If you asked him, do we have a public safety problem in Marion County? Do you think that suck up would give you an honest answer? Absolutely not. He'd just charge you a $250 fee in the mile square for public safety and clean streets. (laughs) Right. That's That's, their solution for it. They enabled the rioters, told the police to stand down, give them plenty of room to break all your windows, and then charged them an extra fee because nobody wanted to come back. Businesses were leaving in droves. I would love to hear some of these city county councilors admit, you know, the ones that have a D next to their name, admit that we've got a public safety problem. We've got a homeless problem. It's a bit of a mess right here. I don't know if they're going to fix everything in Houston, but hell, the first step is at least saying the right things and talking about it. Good for that mayor of Houston. And it just kind of reminds you of the morons that keep getting elected here in Indianapolis. Uh, This is a pretty wild story here. What do we got? A North Carolina man caught on camera the moment that he realized his Samsung washing machine blew up in his garage. (laughs) What? Was it loaded with C4? (laughs) (laughs) Reggie Broswell threw out the machine and was initially told that Samsung couldn't do anything for him because he had no physical machine to return. He couldn't get a a refund because the machine blew up (laughs) and there was nothing to bring back. Here he is talking about it. Washing machine just exploded and blew up. Glass all up there by the front door, and glass was everywhere. I'm just thankful no one was out there. We weren't out there. I set it outside, and a recycle guy already picked it up. Lady told me that, oh, well, since you don't have the washer no more, you, we can't do anything for you. That's the show that, yeah, that was a recall deal. I said, well, I never got any recall on that. They told me that if I don't have the machine, they can't do anything for me. This is like a character from King of the Hill. <laughs> Sounds a little boom hour like, doesn't he? But how that does, sucks, though. How does a washing machine just blow up unplugged in your garage? I don't know. What but is going on? If it does, I think that warrants a refund, which brings us to great moments in washing machine history. Really? This is where some hillbilly loaded up his washing machine, turned it on the spin cycle, grabbed his guitar, and played an awesome cover of Eastbound and Down. <laughs> Great moments and washing machine history. That was the washing machine that was on the spin cycle while he's yes. playing the guitar. Very nice. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, yeah, I was glad to see the Pacers won last night and, you know, playing against one of the worst teams in the NBA. I watched the first, most of the first half. It didn't look, it was close, right? Total trap game type of setup here. Worst team in the league. Pistons have lost 19 in a row. Pacers are coming off this emotional trip to Las Vegas. And the Pacers won. Uh, They... 
the point spread was eight in that game, and they won by eight. So push. a good old fashioned push, as Salt and Pepper would say, push it real good. Uh, but they won. You don't want to lose to the team that's now lost twenty <laughs> in a row. Uh, so good for the Pacers. Two. Monday night football games last night. A couple of them. Did you get any action last night? No. Uh, you mean with my wife or in betting? Betting. I know the answer <laughs> to the first question. <laughs> it's a big negative, Ghost Rider. I did not. I my actually my account is dry. Oh the no. The well has dried up in the old FanDuel account. I, yeah, you know, uh, it's Christmas time. We run into a few money problems. <laughs> <laughs> if I started betting twenty five dollars on Mo Alley Cox to catch a touchdown. <laughs> I would have won $100 yesterday. Right, Or right. Sunday. Anyway, but no. couple crazy finishes, a uh, couple upsets. Uh, the Titans were down 14 with two minutes to go, and they won the game. They upset the Dolphins in Miami, and then the Giants upset the Packers on a last-second field oh, goal. that was crazy. And if you remember... The movie Coming to America back in 1988, <laughs> the way that the game ended last night was exactly what Akeem said happened back in 88. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big age. It was a most ripping victory. Holy crap! That's exactly how it wow. happened! Oh, you just blew my mind. Because <laughs> I didn't think that was the clip you were going to play. I thought you were going to play the clip of him watching basketball going, into face, into face. No, no. Holy uh, crap. Okay, knowing what we know about that game last night, last second field goal yes. by the Giants. Knock off the Packers. Allison, can we hear Coming to America one more time? Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of thick skin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. That's exactly how it happened. Mind blown. Wow. Good catch, man. How would you feel if your lawyer was 17 years old, Nige? I'd be looking for a new, new lawyer, asking for a new lawyer. California teenager is officially the youngest person to pass the state's bar exam at the age of 17. Here's the moment that Peter wow. Park and his family found out that he had passed the exam. Dear Peter Park, the Committee of Bar Examiners of the State Bar of California is pleased to report that you achieved a passing score on the July 2023 California Bar Examination. Congratulations. You may justly be proud of your achievement. That's so like the Doogie Hauser lawyers. Right. I think I'd be okay with it. Like, if my options were the morons that were trying to defend Richard Allen or 17-year-old <laughs> over here that just passed the bar exam, sign me up for the legal duty. Yeah, I, I'm sure the way it works, I don't in California, is that you, you catch on someplace, you start at the bottom rung and right. work your way up. you got to have a little of experience under your belt. You're not just going to start, you know, you, you don't just become a 17-year-old trial lawyer the day you get your bar exam. <laughs> it's not walking yeah. under the courtroom, you know, going up against against, you know, like Alan Dershowitz and those folks just yet. Um, serious question for everybody, and you don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to think about the answer. Would you consider selling your pet, your dog, your cat, whatever, 
for $200,000. Yes. <laughs> I said you didn't have to answer out loud. <laughs> There's a thing going around TikTok where people are asked the question, you know, would you sell your dog, your pet, for $200,000? Here is Alexis Elliott's uh, TikTok posing the question about her dog. Someone offered us 200 k for our puppy, and I told my husband, absolutely not, because I birthed her. Would you guys sell your dogs for 200 k Like, that is my baby. That is my baby. I birthed her. That is my child. Like, there's no money. I would not sell her. But it just got me thinking. I'm like, I wonder if people would have taken that 200 k I don't have a problem with her not taking the 200K. I have a problem with her saying, I birthed my dog. <laughs> it actually came out of my vag. I birthed the dog. That is, is a little weird. No, nah, I'd sell my cat for $200,000. As long as I knew it was going to a good, a good home. Yeah. Bye, Gary. Allison, $200,000. Think about what that money could do for you and your life right now. Absolutely not. I don't claim to have birthed my dog. (laughs) But uh, no, no, no. Not for $200,000. Absolutely not. Allison's at home, squats down, and here comes the puppy. (laughs) Good Lord. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Lights uptick in inflation. Hammer. Well, that old pesky Biden inflation been around for about thirty-two straight months now. My name is uh, <laughs> My name is Nigel. It's Jason Hammer over there with a special guest on the hotline. Madison Jeziato Gilbert is the RNC national spokeswoman, and Madison, since Joe Biden took office, prices are up seventeen point four percent. Real wages are down two point eight percent. Is this what Bidenomics is about? Is this all this Bidenomics hype I've been hearing about, Madison? Yeah, I mean, this is what it's about, but they don't want you to know that this is what it's about, right? They continue to lie to the American people over and over again on the issue of the economy and, quite frankly, on many other issues, as we know and have talked about on your show before. But, I mean, on a year-over-year basis, you look at inflation under Biden, it's averaged about 5.8%, and this is more than double the level of inflation under any, I think, of the last four presidents. So uh, it's the, really disgrace. The new CPI report came out today, shows that November uh, saw an uptick of 0.1. That was above the forecast. The core CPI rose uh, 0.3. That was kind of in line with expectations. For those who don't follow what these numbers mean very closely, what does this mean to the average working class American, Madison? It means that your life's simply not going to get better as they promised you it would. They promised that you're going to have this great life under Joe Biden. Everything's going to be good. You're not going to be paying more for anything. Your taxes aren't going to be up. Uh, and Bidenomics has been a failure. and We've seen that. We're all living it. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're paying for. The cost of everything is up. Uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, you look at that cost up inflation, 17, what, 0.4 percent. Uh, that's what prices have risen. Uh, and people are struggling. They're struggling to pay their debts. They're taking out more from their retirements. They're struggling to save for retirement. They're struggling to afford rent, let alone buy a home. Uh, for many young people, that American dream is slipping from right under them. And that's why it's so important next year that people really pay attention when they go to these polls, that they get out to vote and they yeah. vote for people that are going to make a difference in their lives. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the really no more important time. Madison, I'm glad you, you mentioned the home aspect of this. Uh, when Biden took office, according to the Wall Street Journal, Biden took office, new home mortgages, new home payments were about 7 
1700 bucks. Average monthly new home payment today, $3,322. I mean, that's especially if you're a low income family, half of your weekly paycheck or monthly paycheck is going to rent or and or a mortgage. That's right. And you look at, I mean, even the average monthly mortgage on a new home now, it's 52% higher than renting. So it's 52% costlier to buy than it is to rent. And rent has also gone up. So people can't win no matter which direction they go. It's very difficult. Uh, and of course, when you look at those mortgage rates, how can how can anybody be surprised? I mean, a mortgage today is so much more significantly expensive with the rates being so high as compared to a few years ago. Uh, people are struggling again. And young people are getting hit very very, very hard. Uh, I talk to people, you know, millennials like myself and even younger in their 20s uh, that are dealing with this in real time. And of course, a lot of these people did vote for Biden or voted for Democrats in the past. And now they're starting to open their eyes and realize, you know, what this is doing to their lives and what this is doing to their American dream, what this is doing to their ability to save for their futures, to, you know, spend on their families, to even have Christmas for their children. For many young people, that has changed. I think it's like one in three people now for going even giving gifts this year as a result of them struggling financially and the other aspect of this report here and again they break down each category right rent year over year is up almost seven percent uh the cost of going to a restaurant up about five and a half gas year over year is down but the real reality and madison you know this is that sometimes when you reach that peak there's nowhere to go but down Right, Right, exactly. It's kind of funny because you mentioned that and you look at even how they responded last week to the jobs report and they were saying, oh, look at this. It's a great, successful month of November. We added 28,000 manufacturing jobs in the manufacturing sector. Uh, But of course, they don't mention to anybody that 30,000 auto workers had been striking and returned to work, which more than covers the 28,000 jobs they claim to have created. And then you look back even to the beginning of the year, and there was no growth in the manufacturing sector. The manufacturing sector is getting killed uh, by their policies. But of course, they twist it, and they make it seem like it's something it's not to people who aren't really you know, knowledgeable on some of these stats or following it as closely. And they call it a manufacturing boom, and it simply couldn't be farther from the truth. And then they, they try to pull the wool over your eyes and, and say, you know, speaking of, all oh, these jobs are coming in. And all these, these jobs, you look closely at the numbers, it's 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 retail and hospitality. And, and government and, jobs. And, and, and government jobs, too. So I, I'm like, look, I love bartenders and servers, and, you know, I've been been those things, but those aren't drivers of the economy as much as the important things like manufacturing, right? Exactly. I mean, manufacturing jobs are the backbone of the economy. We need to be manufacturing more here in the United States. We've been talking about this for years, um, and it's simply not happening under Biden. We all know that. Uh, and you look back even you know, in the past decade at the amount of jobs that have been shipped overseas. This is something President Trump, I know, talked about a lot on the 2016 trail uh, and even you know continue to do in the 2020 trail. And it's, it's a major problem for our country. We have to be manufacturing in the U.S. We have to be independent. Um, and then, of course, we talk about energy as just a whole nother issue. But again, we need to get back to energy independence as well. Chatting with Madison Jeziato Gilbert. She's the RNC national spokeswoman. Uh, the inflation report, the CPI report came out earlier today. Madison, I just traveled over the weekend, went from Indy out to Las Vegas just for a short period of time, watched a basketball game, flew back. 
the cost of travel, the cost of hotel stays and rental cars and just flying out, it's so ridiculous right now. And I'm just wondering, at what point will Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, you know, the travel secretary, the travel czar, if you want to call it that, really address what's going on here? Because they're real quick to talk about Ticketmaster trying to give somebody the, you know, the railroad. Yeah, there's fees. But when it comes yeah. to flying out for the holidays, taking a vacation, trying to spend a little bit of the money they've got that Bidenflation hasn't taken away, it's crickets. Yeah, you know, and quite frankly, it breaks your heart to think about the fact that these people just don't care. Uh, they're not stupid. They know what's going on. They see it every single day. They are looking at the same numbers we're looking at, uh, but it doesn't impact them the way it impacts most of the country. And so they continue to turn a blind eye. They continue to lie to people's faces. Uh, they don't care that food prices are up over 20%. They don't care that rent's up, as we mentioned, you know, over 18.5%. Electricity, we all know we're paying a lot more for electricity, up almost 25%. I think the newest number was 25 4.3, and those wages are down. So as people continue to pay significantly more, make less, it's impossible to expect them to be able to survive. Uh, But again, they simply don't care. If they cared, they'd be talking about it, and they'd be talking about it in a different way than they are, even when they do talk about it. Uh, They pretend, oh, well, maybe, you know, this is bad over here, this one little thing, but it's Trump's fault, and we're making it all better. Uh, And that couldn't be farther from the truth, and we all know that. Madison Jeziato Gilbert, RNC National Spokeswoman. Madison, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Um, If you're looking for a reason to drink tonight, maybe (laughs) you've had a bad day. Maybe you've had a good day. You want to celebrate. It's going to try to stay dry, but, but I'm waiting. 49 years ago today, in 1974, the movie The Godfather Part II premiered in New York, many Nige feel that Godfather Part 2, superior to the original Godfather, Mm, one of the few sequels better than the original, because Godfather 2 won Best Picture at the Oscars. What say you? I mean, it's definitely better than (laughs) 3. Godfather 3 was UHF was better than Uh, (laughs) 3. One of my favorite comedians, Artie Lang, always used to have this joke, and he said, you know, the Godfather box set DVD would be the perfect thing to bring to parties. You could watch one and two and do Coke off three. (laughs) 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 And it's sort of Godfather. I I, count them as one movie almost. I really do, because I have to watch them when I watch it. Sometimes they play them over the holidays, and I'd watch them straight through one and two. It's just one long movie for me. I'm a Godfather one kind of guy for the Sonny Corleone factor. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more James Caan in the first one, and him being the hothead, red-ass Sonny Corleone, to me, I think that's a fun character. I don't, in Godfather 2, I don't like all the flashback scenes of how... Uh, Vito grew up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, and that's Robert De Niro's character yes. in the early days. I, I could, I, I, if there was part of that movie that could be shorter, it was those scenes, I feel like. But man, part two, I've heard a lot of people say it's better than the original. What other sequels do you put in the category of you could make a case for it being better than the first You're going to have to let me do some research on that. I can't think off the top of my Because I'm coming at you every time with The Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back, better than A New Hope. 
and it's a lot darker too i mean for god's sake there's torture scenes they tortured chewbacca and han solo they cut luke's hand off yeah. <laughs> right spoiler <laughs> but i've always been a dark side guy i was team darth vader throughout the whole thing sorry but- I, like uh, you know um uh, revenge of the nerds nerds in paradise no i i, I don't i'm not saying it's as good as the first one but i'm just saying <gasps> it's good it's funny it holds up. I'm not saying it's as good as Revenge of the Nerds, the original, but Nerds in Paradise, they go down to Fort Lauderdale. The Ho- Hotel Coral, Coral Essex. Essex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll watch it, but I have the original Nerds on such a pedestal. I understand. Like, And I kind of feel like that's happening here in our radio station building because we're on the fourth floor, and it used to just be us WIBC people, yeah. but now the Lambda Lambda Lambdas of the fan have moved down here, <laughs> and we have to share a floor with like those dirt bags, JMV and Jake Query and oh, uh, Kevin Bowen and oh. Andy, all those guys. The Tri Lambs have moved down to our floor here. Do not go anywhere. Top stories coming up next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! What do you have to do to get fired or expelled from Harvard? Ooh, like I guarantee if you if you called somebody the wrong pronoun, that's grounds for expulsion. True. I mean, if you if you perpetrated a microaggression on someone, say like of Asian heritage, and asked them, "How long have you been in the country?" That's considered microaggression. Just type it in Google. Just say, "What are common microaggressions?" What if you that- question the COVID policy? What if you did not want to get one of the boosters that were required? What if you say? What if you're a Harvard student and you protest the fact that uh, biological men play uh, playing in women's sports is wrong? I'm sure those are all grounds for dismissal. But if you're the president of Harvard and you go before Congress and this committee, this anti-Semitic hearing, and can't answer whether calling for the genocide of Jews violated Harvard Harvard's policies, as those students that protested at Harvard did, if you can't say, if you say, well, it depends on the context, you're good. You're fine. Even if you lose a billion dollars, Nige, including multiple $100 million donors and a lot of businesses canceling their donations... Adding up to a billion dollars? Claudine Gay will remain president. Doesn't look like her resume is that impressive anyway. There's some plagiarism in there, some accusations, right? Yeah. I mean, she's a real zero, and she's keeping her job. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. I forgot to mention Claudine Gay, president of Harvard, has apologized. Quote, I'm sorry. Words matter. I got caught up in what had become at that point an extended combative exchange about policies and procedures. I failed to convey what is my truth. It makes me sad. The what is my truth really kind of 
is a head scratcher because her truth is that there is room for debate. There's nuance when her students call for the genocide of Jews. Um, in other in other words, it's valid depending on the context. Right. So <laughs> this whole thing is a joke. Again, I hate the people that say, "Well, you're just doing what aboutism." I think sometimes what aboutism is completely fair because what about other school presidents had they done the same thing but let's say they weren't black women would they have been fired if the president of harvard were a white man would he have been shown the door for losing a billion dollars for justifying uh, people um, saying it's all right to have some good old-fashioned talk about genocide well the president of Penn got fired, or at least demoted. She's still hanging around a school in some capacity. She's a white woman. Uh, but that's you poised a very good, good and interesting uh, question, Hammer. Good point. Jim Banks, the representative from Indiana, he's calling to defund schools that do not protect Jewish students. And again, we've had big conversation this week about these Ivy League school presidents bending themselves in a pretzel to try to justify uh, what's hey, happening on their campuses. I, I just saw on Twitter, I don't know, somebody called, it was the presidents of uh, uh, MIT, Penn, and Harvard, and they called them the Poison Ivies. That's there. That was a nickname. That's solid. The, that was That's a solid. nickname for the three, three testifying up there. You agree with Jim Banks, though, if you are yes, one of these schools where your president has gone on the record? Could you imagine if you're a Jewish person sending your kids to these schools and you have the president of the university up before Congress under oath saying, well, it depends on the, the context when we're talking about calling for the genocide of Jews. I mean, if it's directed towards somebody, then yeah, that might be kind of an interpretation of you know they were, they were those comments are directed towards somebody, a group of Jewish students. Right. It's always wild to me when these universities decide to jump really quickly into the political realm. Right. So again, take um, what used to be called IUPUI downtown. Now it's IU Indianapolis, but they've got across some of the bridges that take you from one side of the street to the other. Black lives matter across the bridges. All right, fine. But what happens, let's say, like a couple months ago, when Black Lives Matter, the political organization, decides to partner with Hamas and support what's happening against Israel? If you're a Jewish student on the campus of IUPUI, IU Indianapolis, how is that supposed to make you feel? You're walking to class oh, and you be- see a big bridge that has Black Lives Matter on it, and you know that's the organization that doesn't think you should exist. I'd be a little jittery. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'd be looking over my shoulder. You should not have to be looking over your shoulder if you're walking on a college campus and those kinds of demonstrations. I mean, but you do if you're a conservative. You do if you're somebody like Riley Gaines or Ann Coulter. You're uh, met with violence, as a matter of fact. Some of these school presidents don't want your speech yeah. on campus, but when it comes to calling for a genocide, ah, it's fine. 
Shake it off. Walk it off. You're going to be okay. Uh, Jim Banks is scheduled to be on our program tomorrow. We'll ask him about this and some other things. Uh, Nige, according to a new poll, 17% of black Americans support Donald Trump. It's a big number. It's a big number for black yeah. Americans supporting Trump. Because back in 2020, at this point in the race, that was at 9%. 9%. Now, Again, Donald Trump, I don't know how many Trump fans there are, as opposed to people that realize Biden is such a dumpster fire. It's not like all of a sudden the black community woke up and said, you know what, pass me that MAGA hat. I'm going to put this on. I'm going to walk around. I am a Trump supporter now. It's almost like they've decided... I don't like this guy, but I had more money under this guy. I'm going to hold my nose and pull the lever for the orange man. That's kind of where we're at, it feels like. And if you remember, a couple weeks ago, uh, the head of the Rhode Island BLM uh, spoke to Lawrence Jones on Fox and broke down why a lot of folks in BLM are hitching their wagon to Donald Trump. This is my favorite story of the day. Because it identifies with what I've seen in the barbershop. All the brothers, for some reason right now, are turning tides right now. And I I just wonder, what is the big reason? I think personally, it's the duplicity of the Democrats, Mm. the hypocrisy. Um, We're not stupid. The brothers are not stupid. We we understand when someone's for us and when someone is not. And it's obvious that the Democratic Party is not for us. Their policies actually strike at the heart of the black family and the nuclear family. You know, you were part of black. Lives Matter. Uh, you founded it there. And now you're saying, you're, you're not saying the entire Republican Party. You're saying Donald Trump. So what is it about Donald Trump? Is it the economics? Uh, you noted the black family. What is it going to take for him to sure up this support amongst uh, black voters? Well, I just, I just think that it's going to take information. A lot of people are misinformed. They don't really understand because they don't educate themselves on, on Donald Trump as a person and his history. Um, but if they do that, and it's going to take, you know, leaders, okay, you can stop leaders that, getting the word out there. Now, again, if you're Donald Trump, you will happily accept the votes from BLM. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you do a victory lap on it, because at know. the end of the day, BLM was the group. You know, I'm talking about the political organized groups, BLM, that led a lot of riots around this country and did not help anything in that community. I mean, uh, Breonna Taylor, that situation, her family criticized uh, BLM heavily um, because they did not help the, her with that situation down there. They helped if Patrice Cullors get a couple oh, of sure, new mansions. Sure, the leader, yeah. Helped her family Multiple. pretty damn well. Multiple. But a lot of cities didn't get the money that they donated during the Summer of Love. Amber and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run a few different stories by you. You will be the one that breaks down all of the information, and you give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Let's do it. Is this anything? A TikToker has gone viral with her video officially declaring and announcing that she's done with Christmas cards. I was going to tell you since it's getting to be Christmas and all, don't send me a Christmas card. <laughs> I'm going to throw that in the trash. And y'all look so cute and your family dressed up for the occasion and y'all look precious. <laughs> I'm about to throw in the garbage. I can't have that clutter laying around here. You know what I'm saying? Send me 
me a digital picture, you know, send it to me and say, Merry Christmas. No, don't do that either. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll see y'all. Don't send me no card. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's something. You know what she's talking about, right? The Christmas cards, you and your family. We've sent them out before. My yes. family has to you. Do, do, do the Hammer family, do they send out Christmas cards to everybody? Like pictures of them? No, you know? we don't because I've always wanted to do it while I'm sitting on the can. <laughs> And like the family's disgusted by it, and they're like, "No, we're not doing that." This is the first year, like in a long time. It's just a lot of work, to, and my wife does it all to put you know to you know write out an address for 150 people that are, will just throw them away, like this person does. I put and them in we, the Christmas tree. Like if I have room, I take the cards, yeah, I put see? some on the tree, some up there on the mantle where the stockings hang. Boy. Uh, I don't know if my wife wants me to admit this or not. We're we're kind of similar to this TikToker. I get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, like we get so many, and we look at it and say, "Oh, what a cute picture! Oh, that's nice." And then to think of us, and then it goes straight into the trash. We don't. Some people have places for those. Allison, I'm assuming I'm willing to bet 100 that Allison keeps all her Christmas cards <laughs> that she gets sent to her. I do. I yeah. put them on the fridge, and now they're in a drawer, and I, I feel guilty <laughs> throwing them away. Oh, so they went from the fridge to the drawer. Well, I saw like last year's in a drawer. This year's oh, is on the fridge. So you, so you still you had the ones from last year. Yeah, I, I usually every three wow. years or so I'll throw them away. I feel so bad because, like you said, Nigel, I remember my mom to putting in the work for the pictures, yes. organizing the family pictures, putting them online, yes. ordering them, getting them mails, the stamps, blah blah blah. A lot blah. of work. It's a lot of work. And uh, and I appreciate the work. And my wife and I look at each and every card were sent, <laughs> and then we immediately put it in the trash. <laughs> See, <laughs> I keep it at least through Christmas, and then I throw it in the trash. Our tree is full. I can, I, there's no room, more room for stuff on our What's tree. What's on your fridge? Uh, we, uh, my fridge isn't. It's not um, your mantle. Uh, we, don't, we don't have any magnets. Your piano. No, stop it. What about the wall? Uh, it's awful. <laughs> Trust me. Our 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 house Dining is full of table? decorations. <laughs> I, our house is full of decorations, Alan. Uh, Allison, there's no room for Christmas. Cards. And they're equally as joyful as families, you know. <laughs> Do you judge the pictures at all? <laughs> like when you get it, like, oh look, honey, we got a picture from Nigel's family. Nigel got fat this year, <laughs> and set it to the side. I'm sure that's been said before, <laughs> on years that you, you know, if you, especially if you put them back to back, year after year after year, like Allison keeps them for years, <laughs> and they do like a five year retrospective of that's the Christmas the real cards. Reason. Yeah, man, Nigel used to look like Matthew McConaughey's character in uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Now he's a big fat bastard. Look at him. Is this anything? An Australian woman who took revenge against an inconsiderate person while she was shopping has TikTok split. She claims that a woman didn't let her cut in front of her at the checkout line, even though she had a fussy kid and only a couple of items. So to get revenge... This woman sneakily grabbed a couple of the woman's items off the conveyor belt and bought them for herself. I had to line up behind the lady that was eyeballing me. And she's seen that I only had these two, and I'm like holding Hudson, he's like slapping and scratching me. And she kind of just grazed me off and looked me up and down and continued stacking her stuff and did not let me go in front of her for two little things. I took her eggs and bacon and her butter that was at the back of the pile and just sat it back towards me and put those in front of it and I bought them. 
now, and this is nothing. I don't think that's the own you think it is, lady. What the you, hell is a TikTok split? I don't know what the TikTok split thing was, but the woman, first of all, you know, she's under no obligation to let you in front of her just because you got a screaming kid and less, and a couple less items than she does. It's not her fault. Her I, kid isn't screaming. I probably, you know, if I if I had a bunch of stuff and I saw a woman with a screaming kid come up behind me and she only had a couple things, I would probably let her go in front of me. But are you saying she she's saying she stole a couple of the woman's items in front of her and she bought them herself? Yeah. I don't get it. Like, Why would you buy something that you really didn't want just to screw somebody over? <laughs> I don't like anything about this story. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a big nothing burger. Let's get to the next one. It's dumb. Is this anything? Shirley Manson, the front woman of the band Garbage, yeah! gave a two-minute profanity-filled finger-wagging oh, no. of a couple women who were fighting in the mosh pit of one of their concerts. Okay, good. I thought it was going to be something political. Nope. Um, I'm going to play you some audio here. This is of uh, Shirley's tirade. It was at some radio station's Christmas concert, okay. and I guess things were getting a little heated in the mosh pit. You. <laughs> I don't know what the story is. Quite frankly, I don't care. Is it you, mate? Okay, I don't care who it is. I want it to stop. Do we not have enough going on in the world without some <laughs> Christmas party? I don't want anyone to get hurt. I'm serious. If you pull any <laughs> in our show, you'll be tossed out. So you've had one warning. Tossed out. Yeah, that's one of the better. Uh, rock stars, um, uh, fan ejections I've heard. That was right. pretty good. Yeah. I've always liked Shirley Manson of Garbage. Love Garbage, yeah. Sounds like she doesn't put up with crap either, which brings us to great moments in rock stars kicking people out for fighting history. This is, I don't know if he's a rock star, but country rapper Jelly Roll had to stop his show because there was a fight going on. I don't want you to come with this out, but whatever happened right there was completely unnecessary, y'all. Well, I appreciate you with the beard intervening in there, by the way. We don't fight at no Jelly Roll show. This is a family affair, man. I'll jump off here and snap on one of y'all if y'all disrespect this show. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Not too bad. Not, not as good as Shirley Manson. No. How about Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam stopping a Pearl Jam show to kick out a woman who was hitting a dude? This is the last one I got, and you tell me if this is better than Shirley Manson. Okay. This is when a couple dudes were fighting at a Foo Fighter show. Oh. Get the f out of my show right now. Get the f out. Get the f out of my show. You don't come to my show and fight. You come to my show and dance, you ass. <laughs> yes. Dave Grohl. Number not putting one. up with crap. Love it. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Foreign policy expert. Ah! Presidential poopy pants Joe Biden trying to tell Israel's baby Netanyahu how to run the war in Israel versus Hamas hammer. So Joe Biden, who's been a disaster on foreign policy, every single foreign policy thing this guy has sniffed like hair on a young woman has turned to crap. Now he's in the position of telling people how to do their jobs. It's kind of like the Carolina Panthers telling the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> how to win a football game. You know, here's what you really need to do. So Joe Biden's trying to tell <laughs> Bibi Netanyahu how to run his war, because this is Israel's counter-offensive against what happened that early, early you know, Saturday in October. October 7th, man, Hamas comes over, paraglides, and uh, goes in a music festival, slaughters hundreds and, I mean, it's in the thousands of innocent uh, civilians, brutally murdering them in front of their families. Much worse things that I don't really care to talk about on the air took hostages. Went door to door afterwards. And and now they are uh, back in Gaza, and Hamas is using the, not only the hostages, but their own population is human sheep. Right. Setting up shop underneath uh, hospitals, all tunneled out. And in Joe Biden, you're sitting there telling me, hey, you guys need to scale it back just a little bit. Joe Biden told the Israeli prime minister that he needs to change his hardline government and warned that support for their military campaign against Hamas is waning. What should they do? Like, what's a proportionate response for monsters that cross your border and and kill your family right in front of your eyes and then take hostages? What would be a fair and proportionate response to that? And is support for Israel really waning? Or does Joe Biden just surround himself with this inner circle of people that never really were big fans of Israel to begin with. Why would why would Israel do anything Joe Biden says? Hamas has already said they're going to do more of the same of like October seventh. Um, we already we don't know. And speaking of proportion, there is no proportion at all in terms of hostage negotiations. Israel would get you know one person back for every ten to twelve Palestinians. Right. Right. And so there was no proportion when it comes to that when it came to that policy. And the ceasefire only really benefited one side here. The ceasefire benefit the Palestinians, Hamas, because it gave them a chance to catch their breath, try to reload, try to come up with some other ways to continue their assault on the Israelis. Could you imagine if anybody said to us after 9-11, hey, you really need to take it easy there, guys. Just, you, you know, watch your response. Like, you know, like, a Brit, like British or, or, you know, Australia, whatever country, Canada. Canada come and came and said to us, look, look, I know what, guy, what happened was awful, but you really need to, you know, think about a proportionate response. Support is waning for you guys now. Imagine that. Somebody saying that to you. I think that Netanyahu, though, is 
probably uh, yeah. the kind of guy that would pull that trick to Joe Biden where he's like, oh, I got something for you. And he reaches in his pocket and he pulls it out and he flips him <laughs> off. Like we've all done that before, right? Like that's the response I think Netanyahu would give Joe Biden right there. Oh, man. Uh, still no word <laughs> from the Supreme Court in regards to special prosecutor jack smith's request on donald trump now it's just because i need it in my life how does donald trump refer to uh special prosecutor jack smith deranged prosecutor jack smith (laughs) so as we wait on the supreme court to see if they're gonna you know allow uh this process to move on with the appeal the supreme court's gonna kick it back down to the federal appeals court because it's in federal appeals court right now and jack smith this guy going after trump special counsel is begging the supreme court to take a look at it because they he wants to start the trial in march right on time before the election of 2024 Technically, it's a day before Super Tuesday when this would begin. And Jack Smith, he's got his jollies going because he wants to screw with Donald Trump's election schedule. And if possible, if the stars align, convict him before the election. So that's what this is about. Still waiting for the Supreme Court. However, according to a newly unsealed court document... Jack Smith does plan to use data recovered from the cell phone that Trump used during his final weeks in office, Uh-oh. including data revealing what he was tweeting, uh, direct messages, text messages. They've sent subpoenas to Twitter. Elon Musk tried to fight it, but it sounds like all of the data is going to have to go to Jack Smith. Even the draft uh, messages that yeah. Donald Trump See, uh, didn't send will be used against him. The draft messages he didn't send. And again, this is all the January 6th stuff, right? This is Correct. all Jack Smith going after him and say, you know, January 6th, Jack Smith is a special prosecutor, Donald Trump. And, and, and Trump's basically saying, his lawyers are saying, hey, look, we've got presidential immunity. I mean, you can't ask us about this stuff. You, you have no right uh, to prosecute this, uh, you know, these supposed crimes that I committed because I was I have executive privilege. I was in office. Right. And Jack Smith was like, no, we think that that's not the case. So they're trying to get the Supreme Court. He's trying to strong arm the Supreme Court to make and a Twitter decision. And here. Twitter, because Elon Musk isn't letting him see those files. Um, ultimately, though, Twitter lost oh, that debate. Yeah. Twitter's going to have to let um, all of the tweets, um, drafts, likes, retweets, all of that's going into a big ass binder that Jack Smith is going to use to Jack, try to prosecute Donald Trump. They went to, they, I mean, we had the uh, uh, cybersecurity guy on from Breitbart, uh, the tech guy, a couple of weeks ago. Jack Smith wants everybody's interaction with Donald Trump. Every American that ever clicked a like. He wants to. He wants to put all that stuff in a file. How'd you like to be the intern that gets tasked with going through that? Because <laughs> you know Jack Smith ain't doing it himself. <laughs> He's got some young law clerks probably sitting around in an office getting paid in free pizza, and it's like, listen, here's what I need you to do. You see those eight million likes on that Donald <laughs> Trump tweet? Find out who every single one of those people are and get me a profile by the morning. That sucks. That's a horrible job. I mean, like literally, the the one of the last two 
Twitter posts from Donald Trump is a speech saying everybody needs to calm down and um, and you know protest peacefully. And the other one is from January 6. I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order, respect the law, and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. That's one of the last tweets Donald Trump ever put out. How many retweets and likes are oh, on that? Oh, boy. Uh, 230,000 retweets, 350,000 likes. So imagine us going to Allison saying, hey, by the next two days, we need bios on every single person that liked and retweeted <laughs> that. Do you think you could pull that off, Allison? <laughs> Uh, I'm turning in my two weeks now. (laughs) (laughs) Dateline, Missouri. A man in Missouri stabbed a Panda Express employee and punched another worker because he was upset with his order. Nige. What was wrong with the food? Um, Trust me, I haven't eaten Panda Express in a while, but there is no such thing as a bad order from Panda Express. I love. Right? Man. The Panda Express worker is going to be okay. Everybody's fine. Lunatic was arrested. But the first thing that came to my mind was, I think this would be a different story if this were a Waffle House or Popeyes, because those staff members, they don't play. They fight back. They fight back. This would have been a completely different circumstance if it happened at one of those places. Those employees go hard in the paint. Remember, uh, we had this story not that long ago. There was a guy that was kind of belligerent inside of a Waffle House. He was complaining about his food, and then the waitress pulled out a gun on him. (laughs) They got my cheese is wrong. It all was just a normal dispute over food. Like I said, I'm looking down at my food, trying to make sure it's right. And um, I see people just running, you know. So that's when I look up, and she had the gun at me like this. Then I'm like, you tripping. You ain't finna do nothing. And she caught it back. So I'm like, well, maybe she is finna do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that guy didn't sound too bad if he was complaining about his food. You don't deserve to have a gun pointed at your face. No, but that's one side of the story, though, too. That's his side of the story. <laughs> I like how she said she cocked it back. And he goes, oh, maybe she's not playing. <laughs> that was hilarious. If there's a fast food battle royal, like a fast food royal rumble like the WWE does, I'm taking Waffle House oh, over yeah. anybody else. They're beating the staff of Popeyes. They're beating the staff of Wendy's. You name a fast food crew, I will assemble a Waffle House team that's going to be like the Expendables. <laughs> Back to Panda Express, though. What's your favorite uh, Chinese food? What's your favorite? I, I usually use the orange chicken or the um, General Sows with the, with with um, crab rangoon. The spicy chicken, um, that's really good, man. I could eat a sack full of crab rangoon, man. Oh man, it's so good. Um, I want to go back to Waffle House for a second because, again, this ain't happening at a Waffle House. I think you need to get Jason Aldean to write a new song. Exactly. Like he came out with that song over the summer that's Try That in a Small Town. Oh, yeah. Try that in a Waffle House. <laughs> Let's see how yeah. the song goes by Jason Aldean. Try that in a Waffle House because I think it goes a little different. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> Now check this out. This uh, Alabama jewelry store owner opened fire on a would-be robber who broke in, yelled, 
happy holidays and then unloaded a can of bear spray inside of the store here is the owner jeff talking about what happened one individual made a very stupid decision that put me in a position to defend my store. First thing she did is bent down and blocked the door open so it couldn't be locked on her. She said, uh, happy holidays. I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt y'all, but I am. I knew my life was at risk and my employees' lives were at risk. So I took matters into my own hands. There were multiple shots fired. A violent approach results in a, a, a bad consequence for her. Yeah, uh, she's still alive. The That's robber, a shame. 32-year-old Heather uh, Denise Wright of Alabama was shot in the shoulder and begged for her life after quickly realizing her mistake. <laughs> you'd never. So, you'd this never, is a sad ending because I like it when the bad guy dies. You never bring a can of bear spray to a gunfight. No. <laughs> no, you do not. Happy holidays. I don't want to hurt you, but I have to, or something to that effect. And the jewelry store owner was like, blank me, blank you, <laughs> yeah. and shot her. Well, good. Again, I'm a bit of a romantic. I like it when bad people get shot. I've said that time and time again. All right. For this next story, Allison, I'm going to need a little mood music, please. According to a new poll, Nigel. Actually, it's rather a survey. Would you rather receive one million bucks? Cash free today. It'll be in your bank account at the end of the today, and that's it. Or earn three cents for every step you take ah, the rest of your life. I see what you did there with the mood music. Right? One million bucks right now, or three cents for every step you take. Mm, I mean, what do they say? You're supposed to get 10,000 a day? I don't know. I probably uh, just take the million and run. So, if you do get the recommended 10,000 steps in a day, right. that breaks down to about 300 bucks a day, Okay, which is about $2,100 a week. And if you break that across week to week, that's $109,200 per year. So, if you do the three steps deal, then in about nine years... You'd have a million dollars, but you could keep going after that. You're capped off if you take the cash right now. But there's no guarantee that you're going to live another nine years. You might not wake up tomorrow. What if I can't walk? What if my legs get chopped off by a train? I love to get chopped off by a train. That's what the first I, place you went to. What if I'm like passed out somewhere and my legs are hanging across the train tracks and I've accepted this deal, but I can't walk anymore? You got to take the million. Yeah, Allison, let me go to you. Would you take the three steps, or has Nigel talked you into taking the cash right now for fear of the train that's got an axe on it, and it's chopping people's yeah, feet off left and right? The likelihood of my legs being chopped off is pretty slim by a train, so I'm going to go the three cents per uh, step. You laugh. You know, Allison's going to call in sick one day. I Nigel know. was right. I got hit by a train. What would you do? Gosh. I... You can I take think that I money would, and probably invest it and make some make more. Yeah, more I think money. I would take the cash now, man, because I'm 46 and yeah. I'm starting to get to that gray area. Starting to get to that gray area. I should be fine in nine to ten years, but just in case something happens, just in case, I want to make sure we got the cash money. Do not go anywhere. We got another fun update at the top of the hour. Zelensky wants your money. We'll talk about that next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Emmer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's Jason Hammer right over there. The Indiana Supreme Court hearing oral arguments next month in the Delphi murders. The court announced late last night. Arguments scheduled for January 18th at 11 a.m. to hear requests from Richard Allen, who is facing two counts of murder in the February 2017 deaths of Abby Williams and Libby German. Basically, Richard Allen wants his original lawyers back and the judge in this case removed. Allen also wants the judge to schedule his trial within 70 days of the ruling. Now, his trial is currently set for October of 2024. But if Richard Allen gets his way in the Supreme Court sides with it, which probably a long shot, um, it would be substantially earlier than that. Now, the Supreme Court has already rejected a separate plea from Richard Allen to openly to open like all the documents in the criminal case to the public. Yeah, I, I guess I don't. There's part of me that, that doesn't understand why Richard Allen can't have the representation that he wants. Now, there were some leaked photos from uh, Richard Allen's lawyer's office of the crime scene that were sent to several people. Right. And Some have that, been that, charged with that, that. That pissed... What's that? Somebody was charged yeah. with leaking that. Yeah. Yes. So, and I think the judge was pissed about that. But overall, I'm like, look, this is, these are the lawyers I want. You're not letting me have the lawyers I want. This is the representation I'm requesting. And I'm going to be curious to, to see the outcome of this ruling. The judge, Fran Gull, in this case, basically said the original representation for Richard Allen, uh, they were showing, quote, gross negligence. Okay. Now, not just negligence, gross negligence. Like, these guys don't know their anus from a hole in the ground. They're leaking crime scene pictures all over the town. They're trying to make this a circus. The judge said, no, we're not having that. But... There is a case to be made that if these are the guys that Richard Allen wants, he should probably be able to have those guys. Those lawyers have not been charged with anything criminally. It was somebody else that leaked the pictures that got charged. So we'll find out what happens January 18th. What do you, what do you want to bet that that trial ain't happening in October of 2024? Yeah, that feels like that's going to be substantially later than that. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Zelensky in the United States having a press conference with Joe Biden right now. They're bashing the GOP, both of them, because uh, Zelensky didn't get his money. Right. (laughs) Zelensky came here. From Ukraine. He basically had like his Venmo on a shirt where he wanted people to just scan it and make donations to him as he walked around the U.S. Capitol. um, Wanting more U.S. taxpayer dollars. Here is Speaker of the House Mike Johnson. Johnson! 
on the meeting with Zelensky. Just had a good meeting with President Zelensky. I reiterated to him that we stand with him and against Putin's brutal invasion. Uh, the American people stand for freedom, and they're on the right side of this fight. I have asked the White House since the day that I was handed the gavel as speaker for clarity. We need a clear articulation of the strategy to allow Ukraine to win. And thus far, their responses have been insufficient. They have not provided us the clarity and the detail that we have requested over over and over since literally 24 hours after I was handed the gavel as Speaker of the House. And so what the Biden administration seems to be asking for is billions of additional dollars with no appropriate oversight, no clear strategy to win, and, and none of the answers that I think the American people are owed. I have also made very clear from day one that our first condition on any national security supplemental spending package is about our own national security first. Yeah, he's talking about the borders. Yes. I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, okay, Listen, well, we're with you, Zelensky. Putin sucks. Okay. We're willing to be open to the idea of giving you more money, but we need a plan. We need to find out what you're using the money for. We need receipts. We want to see it in action. And what is your strategy to win? Because if you don't have any of that... We got our own issues here in the United States. Oh, by the way, we don't have any more money either. There's that. Oh, there's that problem. Like, it's a friend trying to bum money off of another friend that's broke. Because the United States is broke right now. We're just printing out money. Yeah, it's it's been punted to January. Uh, this, I mean, he's Ukraine's president is, is walking away empty-handed from this little visit to the Capitol today. Good. Listen, I don't like Vladimir Putin as much as the next guy. I hope Vladimir Putin dies of a slow, painful death that involves his genitals. I do. But we've got issues here. Our southern border is wide open. Drugs are pouring across. And that's what uh, the new speaker, Mike Johnson, was talking about today. The border is an absolute catastrophe. And this is because of the policies of this White House and this administration. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans age 18 to 49 in this country. Fentanyl poisoning because it's allowed over the border. We have human trafficking and all the other terrible things. In the last three months, October, November, December alone, We've had more illegal crossings at the border than in any entire year during the Obama administration. The American people see this. They feel it acutely. They see all the terrible societal ills that come from this, and it must be addressed. So I've made this very clear, again, from the very beginning, when I was handed the gavel, we needed clarity on what we're doing in Ukraine and how we'll have proper oversight of the spending of precious taxpayer dollars in the American citizens, and we needed a transformative change at the border. Thus far, We've gotten neither. Uh, the Senate has been MIA on this. The House passed H.R. 2 six months ago, more than six months ago. It's been sitting and collecting dust on Chuck Schumer's desk. So let that sink in. Let all of that sink in. You've got Senate Democrats, Joe Biden, his administration. They want to give your taxpayer dollars to another country that to be honest, doesn't even really like us. Ukraine is not an ally, and I wish people would stop acting like they are and totally ignore everything happening here on our own southern border. Is it too much to ask for oversight, uh, an account, receipts, like you said, uh, of the money that's been sent over there thus far? And moving forward, definitely keeping track of where that money's going. 
Speaking of the Senate, J.D. Vance uh, went on with Laura Ingram last night and talked about what the Senate Republicans think about Zelensky coming here asking for more money. It's utterly disgraceful. We're about to go through the United States Senate tomorrow, a very undignified process where Zelensky comes to town and demands that you give him, the American taxpayer gives him another $61 billion. And oh, by the way, if you want to secure your border first, you are actually a Putin puppet. He said this publicly today. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's grotesque. And I think that it comes at a time when Republicans are actually showing some unity and some courage about the importance of the American southern border. So this is purely designed to apply pressure on Republicans to give up their fight on the border and write another blank check to Ukraine. I'm not doing it. Now, he's outnumbered at the Senate. The Democrats are all about it. But at least the House Republicans showing a little backbone here. So, Nige, an expert claims that there are eight key habits of the world's happiest people. If you want to be happy, oh, you have oh. to uh, do these eight things. Chug these are 10 all beers the- a day. <laughs> Not on the list. No? Sleep eight hours a night. Yeah. Eat a plant-based breakfast. <laughs> socialize with friends. Yeah. Volunteer. Okay. Take naps. Yeah. Have faith. Limit TV and social media use. And if possible, don't work full time. Oh, well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Right? I want to be happy, so I'm going to start working part time. Like, you know, all of these things. I don't sleep eight hours a night. I don't eat a plant-based breakfast. Uh, I don't take naps all that often. I'm on social media a lot. I watch TV a lot. I work <laughs> full time. Like all of these other peace, these people, they're peaceful. They're calm. I look at this list and I'm like, you know, just. I can't do it. We'll do it live. No, we'll do it live. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. You're Bill O'Reilly. And thing sucks. <laughs> Peaceful people compared to the way that I live my life right there. Uh, you got to have faith, though, right? I, I have, have faith. faith. I have I have major faith. I pray every day. I do. That might surprise people, but I talk to God every single day, I man. I pray for your demise every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. All right. Are you really okay with me? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, yeah! This is right down to your alley, Hammer. You're a baseball guy. The the enormous total dollar amount of this Major League Baseball superstar. His deal with the Dodgers, $700 million over 10 years. (laughs) And the only shocker to come out of that contract. That that wasn't the only shocking thing to come out of that contract news. And I didn't know this. This dude's salary is going to be deferred until the end of his contract. Are you okay with this? Begrudgingly, yes. So Shohei Otani, the biggest free agent on the market. He can hit. He can pitch. Now, he won't pitch next year because of Tommy John surgery, but he can still hit. And he just signed with the Dodgers. He's with the Angels, right? Right. Ten-year deal, $700 million. Now, I'm a Cubs fan, and I found out later that my team bid like 500 
$550 million? That <laughs> wasn't enough for him, huh? It wasn't enough. <laughs> Half a billion dollars was not enough to land Otani. But if you're a baseball fan, you know the name Bobby Bonilla. His crazy contract. Every year, still to this day, I think, Bobby Bonilla is getting paid from the New York Mets when he signed his free agent deal. You're kidding. Because he kind of did the same thing. No, I didn't. So, so first of all, $700 a year over 10 years. $700 that's 70, million, yeah. $700 million, that's $70 million a year. Right. Is that the way this is working? No? No. He deferred everything. So... Otani's only going to receive $2 million a year over the next decade, while the rest is going to be paid in installments between the years 2034 and 2043. So he's like a lottery winner. He accepted the annual payments, but because he's only getting paid $2 million a year for the next decade, this allows the Dodgers to go out and sign other players to play with Otani, and it's not that big of a hit against the salary cap. But only $2 million a year over the next decade, right? That's, That's his baseball salary. Now, you got to understand, this dude, one, he's already a millionaire. He's not going to be hurting. Number two, the endorsement deals that he's going to get being with the Dodgers are going to pay him substantial money. I wonder what the taxes do to that in this case. Well... I looked at the original tax deal. So if he would have kept the original contract as it was set up, which was $70 million a year, California tax laws would have taken 54% yeah, of that. Of course. Yeah. So this deferred $680 million will be paid without interest from 2034 to 2043. And there's a chance that California's tax laws... I don't know, make change for the better, possibly. Uh, yeah. So he could be getting more of his money just by waiting it out a little bit. As much as I hate the fact that the Dodgers kind of found a loophole here and they're giving him the Bobby Bonilla treatment, I think it's a savvy move. So, so Otani's the best player in baseball? Yes. The best? I mean, case could be made. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, he's a getting, bad dude. And I just think it's funny. The best player in baseball is only getting $2 million a year. But I know you explained everything out and it's getting deferred and everything. But yeah. And it's, it's not funny. just a few dollars being deferred. $643 million <laughs> being deferred. That's incredible. Okay. A Nashville woman is suing a restaurant right next to her home, claiming the smoke from cooking the barbecue interferes with her enjoyment of her own house. Here's the owner of the store. His name's Jeff, defending his business. Well, we smoke about five days a week. I just put my foot down. I said, look, that's all we're going to do. I'm through. We can't do anything else. You do what you got to do. It's just a little country store, you know, right here in the middle of East Nashville. And we want people to feel it when they come in that it's a family-run business. Are you okay with a woman suing the restaurant for the barbecue smell wafting over into her house? No, not at all. Number one, the barbecue place was there before she moved in. The barbecue place was there for like 10 years. She's only been there for two years. This is ridiculous, yeah. And number two... I would love the smell of Nashville barbecue wafting through my house. Hell, I wish they made candles that smelled like <laughs> Tennessee sure that, barbecue wafting through the house. I'm sure I could find you a barbecue candle. Oh, man. When I go to a Nashville, 
there's a place on uh, Broadway called Rippy's. Now, it's not the biggest, most popular place on the strip there, but their barbecue ribs are the best. Yeah, it's those kinds of places that always have the best food. Oh, man. And they've got live music in there, too. But Rippy's Barbecue, which is kind of right across from the, uh, the arena they've got there on the strip in Nashville, Chef's Kiss, man, some of the best ribs you'll have. I put it up there with, like, Memphis Barbecue, Kansas City, wow. Texas-style barbecue. It's pretty solid. So, now, I'm not okay with this woman trying to sue the restaurant that was there first. doesn't ten, work that ten way. years. Right. There's a rumor going around. We were just talking about this yesterday, I believe. A rumor going around that Travis Kelsey tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champion, is going to propose to his girlfriend, Taylor Swift, on her birthday this week. Are you okay with this? I am not okay with this because this is just speculation. But if I owned a restaurant or some sort of nice, fancy facility in the greater Kansas City area, I would be lobbying for it. I would be recruiting this couple to come in there and make the magic happen at our facility. Oh, yeah. And if you're Travis Kelsey, I'm not mad at him at all. You try to put a ring on that woman as fast as you possibly can. Because even though you're a millionaire and people buy your jerseys and you're successful in your own right, she's at a whole new <laughs> level. So, Allison, let me defer this to you. As the resident Swifty in this room, someone who likes Taylor Swift, someone who goes to the concerts, has gone to the concerts to see Taylor Swift. Would you be okay with Travis Kelsey wifing her up? Uh, I would be. I don't think they're there yet. I think it's a little too quick. I don't think she she would go for it just yet. I mean, if you thought she wrote nasty songs about ex-boyfriends, wait till there's an ex-husband in the mix. I think it seems (laughs) like she's pretty much tied at the hip with him. And you're right. He needs to put a a ring on that finger ASAP. So that's her birthday's tomorrow. So I guess we'll find out. Got time for one more? Let's do one more. Saturday Night Live star Kel Mitchell appeared on the Kelly Clarkson show to discuss his new memoir, which includes his shower advice, and Kelly Clarkson disagreed with it. I don't regularly brush my teeth in the shower. I just, I do if I'm in a hurry. Uh Now, I do happen to be in a hurry a lot. Often. So, it happens often. So, it happens. Yeah. That's, your, that's fine, because that's where you are in the world. That's that. where I'm at. That's my I'm choice. on the whole other side where I find it to be gross, and <laughs> I don't do it. And I think there's another mention of, like, maybe washing your legs in the shower. Like, get all the way. You know, don't just leave your ankles out. Like... <laughs> up here it does wash down that's how you see they're just different different approaches to life it's fine well i mean it i'm does. also i guess i shave my legs almost every day in the shower, so i'm kind of you doing it anyway yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but like you, do you, you pee in the shower these are real hard questions no i do i would lie if i said i had never done it <laughs> but i try I pee almost to. every time in the shower. oh my god that's awesome <laughs> Uh, are you okay with the uh, the whole conversation there? I am, totally. I like Kelly Clarkson. I think she is very down-to-earth. I've met her a couple times. Yeah, me too. She's really nice. Yeah, total sweetheart. She's been nice every time, and I think that's how she is. She's honest. She pees in the shower. She talks about this kind of stuff. <laughs> do you brush your teeth in the shower? I don't. I do. 
Do you? Not all the time, but if I'm in a hurry or, you know, there's other people trying to get in, yeah, definitely take that thing in there with me. You got a mirror in the shower? No, like no. one of those little shower mirrors? No, no, never one of those. But uh, yeah, occasionally. Do you shave in the shower? I shave in the shower. I pee in the shower. Okay. I just don't brush my teeth in the shower. I really, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that they need to invent a shower, and I think they have with a toilet in it. So you just get done with your business and knock it all out in one fell swoop. So you want to take a number two in the shower. While I'm taking a shower, yes. So you could be yeah. shaving and pooping all at the same time. Uh, yes, and washing my hair and then wash my backside after I'm done. Somewhere there's a woman in Indianapolis listening right now. <laughs> I've never been more turned on. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, he's taken. He's off the market. Harrison Silcox has a look at the news. You can't find- whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Nigel Hammer's over there. Ukraine, uh, Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky uh, coming up empty. He's going back home to Ukraine without a uh, blank check from the United States. What the, what, what the House and the Senate really want to do is, okay, if we're going to give Ukraine more money to fight the Russians, we're going to pair it with a bill to strengthen our border. Let's be clear. I think the House is demanding that. If we're up to old cocaine Mitch McConnell and the wishy-washy Republicans in the Senate. Well, it's look, according to this report, McConnell told the Senate Republicans during uh, a lunch that the Ukraine border talks are not going anywhere this year and oh. they're going to be punted to January. So, okay. I mean, look, they want accountability. They want oversight, finally, to where this money is going. And... What took so long? <laughs> like, why all it. of a sudden now do they want oversight? We've been demanding this since we started giving them money. Like, this is our money. Well, correction. It's our grandkids, 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 grandkids' money. <laughs> but all we're asking for is a paper trail of, you know, what's happening? What are you using it for? You know, one of the things Biden said during this joint press conference is that Ukraine is, uh, uh, that NATO is in Ukraine's future. I mean, that's that was the whole red line for Russia to begin with. No, you no NATO is like encroaching our borders. We're not going to have missiles on our borders. And, and Ukraine joining NATO is a that's a red line for us. Now, nothing would have happened under Trump. Nothing did happen under Trump. If Trump was was leader, was was a leader right now, uh, things would be totally different, I believe. And I'm curious but, to see what happens if Zelensky doesn't get the money from the United States. Does he put the pressure on Biden? Because there's a lot of folks, and I'm kind of raising my hand here, too, in the category that feel like Zelensky has got a lot of dirt on what really happened with the Ukrainian boards and the gas companies that Hunter was dipping his toe into oh, sure. and ultimately funneling money back to the big guy. Yeah, I, I also think just a side note, and, and Rob mentioned this the other day. I thought it was really funny. You know, all these these uh, indictments coming down, these charges for uh, tax violations and failing to pay taxes. Hunter's so stupid; he doesn't know how to pay his taxes. But he was smart enough to be on a Ukrainian energy board, right? <laughs> right. Like, okay. Uh, I'll retweet this here in just a moment. Okay. <laughs> Don Jr. 
on Twitter put this out earlier. Uh, here's AI Zelensky and what he really wanted to say today. Thank you, thank you. As I told General Austin, I have come here for a re-up of cash. I brought the coke, I brought the hookers, I brought the kickbacks. Now, where is my money? I needed to buy another yacht, I mean, uh, fund the war to fight against democracy. Delete the yacht part. I have dirt on all Washington politicians, and I will release unless I get my money. Do you- That's AI <laughs> Zelensky. I'll retweet that right now, uh, at Hammer and Nigel. Are we sure that's AI? <laughs> it's really not that far off from the truth. Uh, CPI inflation report is out. Consumer uh, price index, I believe. Is correct. And year over year, the United States uh, November CPI rose 0.1%. That is above the forecast. Year over year, rent is up almost 7%. The cost of restaurants up 5.3%. So so you're saying Bidenomics is still holding strong here for the, <laughs> for the 32nd straight month in a row. It's holding something, but uh, I don't know if it's holding strong. Um, recreation up 2.5%. Alcohol up 3%. Personal care items up 5.2%. I've definitely seen the uh, alcohol uh, rates increase, for sure, even to, to buy a case of Miller Lite is like ridiculous. On uh, what did you say it was two point? Yeah, it's almost three percent for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely two point nine percent on booze. Uh, on Squawk Box, which is the big financial show that CNBC does, they were talking about how the raw consumer price index remains near an all-time high, going back a century. I'm going to throw something else out there that I normally don't throw out there. And that is, if you look at the CPI indexes, the raw indexes, in September at 307.78, that is the all-time high going back over 100 years. It's 307.05 right now. The core, which is seasonally adjusted raw data, is at an all-time high at 312.25. Never, ever been higher. The point here is, is that we annualize and we look at numbers at this point forward. But if you go back in the rearview mirror, inflation compounds, and it's that dynamic that the public is not very happy with. Yeah, the public is not very happy with a lot of things. Well, I don't, like, I'm I'm going to have to buy a new vehicle very soon. And I haven't had to buy one. I haven't had to do this for 12 years. And and I had a problem with my truck. Like the wheel bearing on my truck was making like a loud noise. And I took it in the shop. Can you describe the noise? <laughs> I did. I did this. I looked at the yeah. I, I looked at the little <laughs> guy at the mechanic shop there in Zionsville. I go to the one. That's what I hear when Rob Kendall talks. <laughs> And the guy was looking at me like I was an idiot. Like, like yeah, when I'm accelerating on the interstate, I hear like, in addition to the engine, I hear like a... <laughs> and they called me back. They called me back and it was the um, the wheel bearing, a cracked wheel bearing. And I'm like, well, is it... And they said it was going to be like 500 bucks to replace. And I'm like, well, can I still drive on a cracked wheel bearing? And they said they should be all right. But, but how am I going to afford, especially with these new negotiated contracts with the auto workers union? Like cars have to be so expensive. I don't know what to do. 
I'm at a loss. I I don't know if I should buy used. I don't know if I should buy new. I don't know if I should just sink five hundred dollars into a truck that's got one hundred eighty-eight thousand miles on it. Just write out the wah, wah, just write it out. But prices uh, for cars are are through the roof. Everything, man. <laughs> Bidenomics, baby. There it is. All right, let's change gears here. Let's okay. shift gears and try to get people in the Christmas spirit, shall sure. we? Um. There's a story out of the 10 worst rock and roll covers of Christmas songs. So I want to tell everybody in advance right now, these songs suck. Every one of them sucks. But Nige, I want you to tell me which ones are tolerable, which ones are awful. Wait, these are rock covers of Christmas songs? Yes. Okay. So coming in at number 10 on the list was Bob Dylan. And again, I never even heard of this song to begin with, let alone his cover, must be Santa. Who's got a beard that's long and white? Who's got a beard that's long and white? Who comes around on special night? Who's got a beard that's long and white? Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. That is pretty bad, yeah. I don't know how I feel about Polka Bob Dylan. <laughs> Polka, polka, the Kenosha Kickers featuring Bob Dylan. Uh, Coming in at number nine, here's Weezer's cover of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Weezer. It sounds exactly like Weezer doing Hark the Herald the Angels Sing. All right, Twisted Sister comes in at number eight with their cover of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I've seen that. It's not bad. Like, when I saw that Twisted Sister was on the list, I thought for sure it was going to be their cover of Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which sounds just like we're not going to take it. So I'm going to go through the list here. I know we got to hit a break, but uh, Bon Jovi was on the list at number seven. Iggy Pop. Do you know who Iggy Pop is, Nige? Barely. I mean, I was never an Iggy Pop. Lust for Life, I think, was like the big hit. Like, that's the music Jim Rome would always use, like, as his opening. Uh, Here's his version of White. Like a punk. Right. Punk band. Uh, Here's White Christmas. Back when you worked at the Rock Channel, did you ever play Corn, the the band Corn? Oh yeah. Corn? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Uh, what were the Corn hits? K O R N. Uh, Got the life was one of them. Yeah, that that was a, that was a huge one. Uh, Adidas all day, I dream about sex. Yes, those those kinds of. Did you ever play yeah. this uh, version of Jingle Bells? <laughs> Not corn. This is corn. <laughs> now, no. 
No, that was awful. From that version of Jingle Bells, here's the Maroon 5 version of Happy Christmas War is Over. And so this is Christmas. Adam Levine, Maroon 5. What have you done? It's better than Bob Dylan polka. It is. That's the bar we're setting. But at the same time, I still prefer the version of where the guy was making fart sounds with his hands. (laughs) Yes! Yeah! There it is! Here, give me that high-pitched finish. Show. <laughs> All right, Hammer. Uh, are you going to any holiday parties? Do you have any of those things scheduled this year? No, no. We're flying. We, we, we're going to Florida. Yeah, we had um, uh, Lindsay, all her girlfriends, and their husbands got together last Friday after Radiothon. He, I took an Uber to, uh, oh God, Monterey. This place called Monterey in Carmel was really good. It was excellent. But we, um, me and Lindsay were out until like two o'clock in the morning. Look at you, crazy teenage two kids! Two o'clock in the morning to get home. We didn't have any kids. Slept into like eleven. It was great. But a new <laughs> study says that saying no to the invite. You simply have no interest in could be the best thing for your mental health. Really? In other words, if you're invited to a party and you don't want to go, just say no. Now you have to come up, you know, with like a fib, a lie about why you're bailing, right? Right. That's where Hammer and Nigel Records comes in. We have a tribute about lying to get out of going to holiday parties. It's the best time of the year for white lies. Previous arrangements and family estrangements, it works every time. It's the best time of the year for white lies. Driving in the cold weather with a stupid sweater is not how I like to rock. Agreed. And neither is listening to your boring stories while your dog is sniffing my crotch. It's the most <laughs> awkward time of the year. There it is. It's a little something something from Hammer and Nigel Records.